Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 270. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and highly regarded writer, game designer, and game master, and owner of Four Horsemen Publishing, Owen Kerr. Glad to be here, Barney. Glad to be here. Owen, Thank you so much. You have jumped into... Uh, fairly recently over the last couple of years into therapeutic game master. Oh yes. 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 Um, wow. Yeah. That was kind of a journey. Um, I, uh, I heard about this website. Uh, Dr. Anthony Bean does one called uh, geek therapeutics. And, uh, and again, I'm a success story for therapy from years ago. And he says, basically, um, you've got the MCU, you've got Tolkien, you've got Avatar The Last Airbender, you've got all these fandoms, right? Um, and if you, if you, as a therapist, know a little bit about a fandom that your client knows something about, you've got this entire shared vocabulary you've got that you don't have to, that you don't have to establish, you know, you, to your, the Avatar kid, you're like, hey, you know. Charles, you're being kind of a first season Zuko here. We need you to start channeling your inner Uncle Iroh a little bit. And you don't have to you don't have to explain that. Okay. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I kind of need to be Uncle Iroh, you know, a little more mellow. Okay. And so he leaned into that and he said, Okay, why don't we get a bunch of therapists and train them up? Hey, here's you know, all the lore uh, about this. What are, what are your clients into? Um, MCU, you know, it's just like, you know, hey, Thor, even though Thor is a little bit of PTSD here and has put on a few pounds, he's still worthy. You know, do you, you know, would you, would, have, has anything really bad happened to you, Charles? You know, it's like, no, not really. So you're still worthy of love, et cetera, et cetera. So then he uh, got into the whole gaming thing and he's like, wait a second. Um, role playing has been used in therapy for generations basically mm. you know okay barney come on in you know and this is your son okay maximilian okay max you're going to be your dad and barney you're going to be max and uh uh you you just came home from school all right so go oh come in here maximilian do something you hate it builds character i don't sound like that well you kind of do dad and so, okay well let's talk about it so um putting yourself in situations and seeing things from other perspectives so then he's like, Dr. Tony's great. He's like, we pack bond with everything. We're humans are just great at that. So here's a character. Here's a character for you, Barney, that you like. Ragnar the Barbarian. Okay. Oh, Ragnar. Love Ragnar, right? We're running around doing some things. And I talk to your therapist and I say, uh, patient one, what is he working on this week? Uh, anger management. Oh, <clears throat> Ragnar, you come into the bar and... This guy throws a drink in your face. Oh, mercy. And he's got that blue braid down this. Oh, Archmage. Oh, he could like Thanos you like now, you know. Okay. Okay. Got to use my tools. Okay. You know, he's not a bad guy. You know, everybody's a, everybody's the hero of their own story. Okay. You know, it's just like, you know, I don't know what's going on in his head. And so give the clients the opportunity to work through these tool sets in a safe place. Okay, because if you flip out and you destroy the archmage, you know, you're not going to lose your job. You know, your, your wife isn't going to leave you for that. Um, and if you do a good job or not, I talk to the therapist and say, oh, patient one did it. We I introduced some anger management stuff. 
um, and, and, he, and he used all of his tools. Oh, okay, great. And then you get to go and talk to the pro about that. The best story I heard about that, one of my uh, associates, she had a bunch of seventh grade girls in a gaming group. And the skill set that they were going to be working on this week was uh, self-advocacy. I'm like, oh, okay. So the girls run around and they do all this stuff and they save the princess and they get the sword and you know, blah, blah, blah. And they get back and the Baron's like, oh, I'm terribly impressed. I'm terribly impressed with all of you. You are wonderful and amazing. In fact, I like you so much, I'm going to give you a boon. What's a boon? I'm going to give you a special favor, each and every one of you. What do you want? Oh, self-advocacy. Oh, I know. And so they spent the rest of the session. Well, you know, we, can, we can't ask for too much because, you know, we don't, but we can't ask for too little because that would be insulting. And it was just this great, huh. great experience with this. Then Dr. Tony pointed out, um, your emotions don't consider a source. So you read the book and it's sad and you cry and you watch the movie and it's sad and you cry and you step on your dog's toe and the dog goes and you cry. Um, your, your emotions don't consider a source. They just know that you're sad. Um, so he taps into this. It's like, hey, let's get Ragnar really mad. We don't need to get Barney really mad, but let's get Ragnar really mad and have him talk himself off that ledge. Oh, okay. Well, your brain just knows I was mad and I did some things and now I'm not. And so the, the practice of using skill sets, using tool sets, um, working through, you know, you know, emotional crisis management and things like that, it's a really, really valuable skill. And to be able to basically serve it up on a platter um, as, a, as part of a game, um, it was kind of a no-brainer. So I was looking into it, and uh, not one but two friendly faces popped up on the screen. I was going through like all the the people who were involved in it. One of them's a good friend of mine, Ben Warner, who, if you haven't seen his game uh, World of Dew, brilliant. It's uh, samurai noir. Um, hmm. The samurai uh, way back when had their own police force, and uh, very you know regimented, and they took really good notes. So he says, why don't I do a game of you're all samurai, you know, rough and I was sitting in the Lower East Side of Tokyo and when she walked, you know, small feet, dark hair, a looker if you like uh, courtesans, which I don't, but you know, and I'm like, run with that. It's amazing. And uh, and then another guy by the name of John Wick. Um, if you don't seven know. Seven C's, right? Yes, seven yeah. C. And he was a fixture in Phoenix where I was spending a lot of time and I was like, oh, John and, and Ben are both involved with this. I reached out. Um, and John was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we've talked. Yeah, you'd be okay. And Ben said, dude, you got a background in theater, education. You're a success story for therapy. You're an award-winning storyteller, author, designer. Yeah. You, you, I, I, he said, I don't know anybody who is better qualified to attempt this. So I had to jump in and do that. And uh, about this time last year, I got certified as a therapeutic game master. So fun, fun. Hmm. And so it's amazing too, is like you actually have a, some would consider more of an innovative and compassionate approach to game mastering, which now seems to be maybe like 10 years ago innovative, but now it seems to be more in vogue to actually involve 
your players in the decision making process of oh. the games. Oh my, um, yes. You're yes. a huge fan of uh, Powered by the Apocalypse. Very much so. And I'll tell you why. Um, I'm a little neurodivergent. And one of the things, and I not only did I teach English in theater, I also taught math for about 12 years. So I like nuts and bolts and I like seeing mm. how things work. And I like looking for optimal strategies in any game. Nobody ever wants to play me Monopoly anymore. Go figure. Um, but I look for optimal strategies. And I had another friend who is also a gamer and also neurodivergent. And we would just take apart systems. We'd say, how does this really work? Um, and we'd make up characters for them. And we'd you know, play out a few scenarios. And it's like, oh, OK, it seems to be that this is the way it works. Um, modded a whole bunch of systems, wrote a couple of systems. And um, I started out um, with a, a game called uh, Fantasy Wargaming by Bruce Galloway, the highest level of all. Completely unplayable, completely, completely. But it was a great book to mine for ideas. And if you get a chance to get a copy, you'll, you'll see what I mean. Um, but it mentioned D&D. It said this D&D thing is kind of unsatisfactory. And when you start taking apart D&D, you see it's really, it's, by modern standards, it's a poorly designed combat sim. And I can prove that mathematically. Um, <laughs> University of Auckland, uh, there was a researcher there who did a um, text analysis of the player's handbook and determined that of the 11 starting character classes, 10 are combat only and one is support. I'm like, yeah, this is not a surprise to me. But I dug into what I call system philosophy. And because my buddy was also into philosophy and I was like, what is philosophy? It says basically how, how do you act in the real world? Oh, okay. That makes sense. So I said, system philosophy is if I just throw this game at a bunch of new players and say, here, just play it, play it as written. What does it reward the players for doing? Okay. So looking at D and D looking at role master, looking at seven C looking at blah, 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 blah. I wasn't seeing a lot of, role-playing rewards. I wasn't seeing a lot of exploration rewards. I wasn't seeing a lot of interaction rewards. I got down to what I used to call actor, architecture, combat, treasure, repeat. Actor, mm, okay. Um, so when I bumped into PBTA, Powered by the Apocalypse, Vince Baker and his wife, um, but they released uh, Apocalypse World and it won all the awards in 2012. And he said, you can do whatever you want with my rules, just stick my name on it somewhere saying, hey, this is based on Vince and Maggie's baby. Mm. And first of all, all the rules are on the character sheet. 90% of the rules are on the character sheet. I'm like, I can play this game now. Oh, wow. And um, then when you get into some of the other ones, some of the fantasy ones, um, the failure mechanic is experience. Mm -hmm. If you try and mess up, you get XP. And now all of a sudden my teacher brain, I'm like, oh, the pedagogy says if you are trying something and it's not working, that's when the learning happens. I was like, I don't believe that. The guy says you're playing a video game. Yeah. And you're doing great. Got out of the tutorial. Yeah. And then you hit that first boss and everything that you try. Oh, my God. Oh, he's, I can get fireballs in the corner. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He said, if you put an MRI on you right then, your brain is like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And that's when the learning's happening, when you're really trying hard and really making mistakes. And I'm like, this is great. So when the main experience mechanic is failure, bonus, um, when the other experience is, are you doing what you said you want to be doing? It's an alignment goal. Protect mm -hmm. the weak. 
Hey, Paladin, did you protect the weak? Yeah, okay, mark experience. Hey, a thief, did you sneak in and sneak out without anybody noticing? Yeah, mark experience. Then another experience mechanic is bonds. Bonds, blood, history. Um, mm. Did your attitude about one of the other characters change? Gord is a coward and he's going to get us killed. Oh, Gord, Gord, the one who just stood off the raider pack and yelled at them until they went away? Yeah, I guess he's not a, I guess he's not a coward. I'm going to have to change that experience. And then the big three are... Did we learn anything new about the world? Did we defeat a noteworthy opponent? And did we mm. recover a noteworthy treasure? So if you're rolling and failing, remind me to tell you about the time my one player failed 17 rolls in a row but <laughs> on, a, on a skill that she was good at. At number five, my math teacher brain was going, this is statistically unlikely, but I want to see where it goes. <laughs> Fun was had by all, but on a typical session out of seven experience points that you get, like one of that is for combat and only if it's important. I had a, uh, a homeschooling group. They defeated the big bad with a healing potion. Um, the mom had said, hey, uh, the game's getting a little gory for the 10 year old, 10, 11, 12 and 13. And when the 13-year-old is the voice of reason, you know you got problems. But the 10-year-olds get a little squidgy with some of the blood and guts. And I'm like, I can tone it down. But the big bad guy was an ogre who was eating children, so I couldn't have that happen. So I was like, why is he stealing children? Oh, uh, he's got a dog. He's got an old dog, and he's, he can't take care of the dog. Why can't he take care of the dog? His leg is messed up. He's got a badly, badly messed up leg. Can't take care of the dog. So he's stealing kids to take care of his dog, right? So they come busting in for the big boss fight and you know and there's the one kid brushing the dog and one kid's making dog food and one kid's sweeping the floor and the ogre lurches to his feet and lurches to his feet towards you and the one kid says oh my gosh he lurches to his feet is, is there something wrong with his leg i'm like yeah it looks all mangled and messed up and i'm thinking like tactics and strategy and he says i've got a healing potion will he trade me the healing potion for the kids what yeah i'm like roll something charisma i guess you know and of course that's when he knocked it out of the park so and my wife who is also a teacher she was listening in and she's gonna cry she's oh my gosh thinking outside the box and nonviolent solutions oh these just these kids i just love these kids so much three sessions later the same kid threw a guy off a 12-story building so you know baby steps but you know it's all there so when you throw somebody into a pbta and you say what's your reward talking to the other players What's your reward? Trying stuff even if you're not good at it. What's your reward? Exploration. Um, oh, and uh, uh, Notable Treasure. I was playing in a game, a uh, spaceship, like Firefly, keep flying, keep, keep a job. Mm. We recovered nine puppies. There were nine puppies, and they were all very sick. And uh, we got like 50,000 galactic credits for the job. We spent it all on a, on a, on a veterinary upgrade for our little you know, spaceship auto dock. So, you know, oh, look, Fluffy can breathe better now. <sighs> you know, pug mix. What can you, what can you expect? <laughs> so, and, he's, and the GM's like, well, did you recover a noteworthy treasure? Yeah, nine puppies. We're the dog pound now. We're, you know, we're dog force five or something. We're just, so he's like, okay, yeah, I guess. So, um, as I've said in other locations, I've kind of stopped thinking of myself as a storyteller because it ain't my story. Mm. Um, we're the only species we know of that tell stories and we use them to make sense of our lives and the lives of people around us and our place in the universe. 
And when you start reading a lot, uh, the science says your empathy goes up because you've got somebody completely unlike you in a completely different place in the world in a completely different setting. And then they fall in love and you're like, oh, oh, you know, little, you know, Marcus in France falls in love. And he's like, yeah, and he saw the object of his affection and he felt really dumb and his hands got sweaty and he just he just felt like too big in his clothes. And the reader's like, yeah, that's that's what that feels like. Hey, guys, come here. They fall in love the same way in France. Have you noticed? You know, read this. Oh, gosh, yeah, I felt. And everything you say is stupid. Yeah, oh, gosh, I felt like that too. So um, when we're telling stories, we're kind of telling on ourselves and we're talking about how we relate to everything. So when a paladin, when somebody says, I want to play a paladin, you just told me, oh, you want to protect stuff and you want to smite some evil. Okay, how about you? I want to be a, a thief. Oh, okay, so you want to find traps and you want to find tricks and you want to do this. So you got to trust your players because they got to trust you. And they just gave you everything they want on a platter. You know, I want, I'm going to be a fighter. Oh, okay, probably should give you some things to fight. I want to be a ranger. Oh, you want to find some tracks? Yeah. Oh, what do, do I find any tracks? Oh, all the tracks. All it's bears. Bear. I like it's like it's like a bear convention. It's just like all the tracks. Oh my gosh, bears. You know. And then they tell us, you know, they tell us the story they want to be a part of, and we facilitate that. Um, and it works amazingly. Um, I had a. I don't know if you saw this TikTok. Uh, the woman came on and she had just talked her crew into playing uh, Ravenloft. They were going to do Curse of Strahd. And she was all excited because she had talked them into it. It's great. And they get to Ravenloft and they say, which way is the castle? That way. We're going to go this way. What? Yeah, just we can... <laughs> Vampire Lord, are you out of your mind? No, we're going to go and find some kobolds or something. This is not. And she said, and she's like, I don't know what to do. Everybody, everybody seems like they're having fun except me. And I said, um, what's more important, your story or their story? Right. You know, which way I lean. And, uh, you know, no offense. Um, if your campaign has come off the rails, it was on rails at some point. <laughs> and people have opinions about that. <laughs> so um, some, of the, some of the best gaming I've ever done is when a player does what they always do, which is glom onto a character that you threw in, you know, as a plot device, and they're like, oh, no, we're going to make best friends with the shopkeeper and just, you know, make his life brilliant. Oh, okay. I guess that's what the game's going to be about for the next couple of sessions. Cool. So, tru truly, truly amazing. Mm -hmm. So, you've been a game master for well over 30 years. Back in the 80s and early 90s, when there was a finite amount of games that existed. Yes. Now, there is literally thousands of games that exist. Yes. Would you consider this a good thing or a bad thing in the sense that equivalent to the the point where there's like in the, in the you know late '80s and early '90s there was everybody was talking about the same show because everybody was watching the same show, right. so there was a shared cultural moment that existed. Now with so many games out there, it's almost like the, the community is so pocketed now because everybody's playing their own specific small games. Is this right. is this good for the industry or is this is this, or is this more complicated for the industry? It seems to me, as a child uh, grew up in the 80s, um, everything has kind of blossomed fractally. 
Okay. Mm. Back in the day, there were like geeks and jocks, right? That was it. You were one or the other. Okay. You were a cheerleader or you were a band kid, you know, one or the other. Um, and then um, with the proliferation of things like the internet and, and other connective technologies, um, A, we're getting more information from everywhere, and B, we're connecting with like-minded individuals. Mm. Um, so whatever you're into, what are you into? I want to play an anthropomorphic jackrabbit in Japan. Okay, that's called Jade Claw. I'll, I'll dig up my copy of that. Um so you're right. When we started out, when it was just you know, D and D, Boot Hill, Gamma World, Star Frontiers, you know, villains, vigilantes, Marvel superheroes, there was a finite. I mean, right. there was a time when you could, as a human, go out and buy every role playing game that existed, and read through them all. Now, okay, mm -hmm. by the end of you know, by the end of summer vacation, you have read literally every game that's out. Um, that's not like really fringe or marginal in the eighties. We had the heartbreakers. I'm sure you remember those where somebody's like, I could write a better game than this. And they basically just rehashed D and D with some better stuff. Um, and it, they went nowhere because they didn't, I mean, there's warehouses and, and, and garages full of first runs, but they were brilliant ideas. You know, I, I want to do D and D, but with better, you know, gun rules or better grappling rules. Okay, cool. Um, so when everything really started to explode and, uh, you know, desktop publishing and, you know, the rise of the, of the second tier, uh, companies, um, and they were really putting out some really good products. Uh, but again, you're right. You reach a saturation level and I don't know about you boss, but I'm kind of too old to learn a new system. You know, um, and that's to me, for people my era, that's a huge selling point for PBTA because I can teach you the system in you know 25 words or less. Now it's just, oh, this is the cyberpunk version. Oh, okay. Oh, this is the old West version. Oh, okay. This is the young teenage mutant superhero. Okay, cool. So it's just, it's, it's modular. It's, it's slotting things in. And of course, every now and again, somebody comes up with a good idea that everybody gloms onto. Um, and the stuff that's like got the DNA of it, like, uh, blades in the dark, forged in the dark band of blades, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. Um, obviously the, the, the 800 pound gorilla in the room wants there to be more game systems out there, because if I can talk you into coming into the game store, you're going to buy a player's handbook. That's, you know. That's a 2016 essay by the guy in charge of open gaming license. Since the people that I respect and admire in the industry are usually pretty open-handed um, as far as um, if you've got a better idea how to do this, tell me, you know, so I can use it. If you've got a better idea how to do this, publish a little rule supplement, you know, um, and, and make, make the whole thing better for everybody else. PBTA blew up because everybody and their dog was making new character classes, new hacks, new mods. I've written three of them myself. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, that's somebody's cup of tea. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's beneficial for the small publisher necessarily, just because there are some really truly brilliant games out there like Red Markets, huh? Um, a game of economic zombie horror. Huh. Great game. I mean, great game because everything costs. Everything costs. If you hit somebody, that costs energy. If you shoot somebody, that costs bullets. Also, it's loud and more zombies show up. Um, if you and if you run out of energy, oh, I've, I, I hit the zombies 80 times. You don't have any energy? Okay. If a zombie goes to bite you, it automatically succeeds. So you've really got, I mean, you're just, I mean, bean counting at its finest. You've really got to reserve stuff. And it really adds to the tension level. It's kind of like, oh, what's that game? Dread, where you play with the Jenga tower? Oh, we're going to see the monster? You know, it, 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 on a visceral level, you're like, I can't, I can't help you with the zombie. Why not? I only have three energy points left. And what if there's another zombie? But I'm dying. I, I can't help you. And it's like tension, tension, tension. It's brilliant. Um, and then you see something simple like uh, Lady Blackbird. Oh, little, you know, three-page, five-page five-page game and it's just like this is fun you know this is all about mm -hmm. the storytelling and whatnot so i think i hope i hope because there is a wide and varied fan base um and we have our old favorites you know um the the vampire the masquerade kids are going to be doing vampire no matter what um but we but there's such a a, a wide fan base I don't have to pick it up the first time. I don't have to be the first one to get, you know, Pony Finder. It's like, what's Pony Finder? My Little Pony Friendship is Magic in a Pathfinder setting. Oh, oh well, I know how to play Pathfinder, and I like MLP. Okay, let's do that. Um, so, but again, it's, 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 a, it's a saturation level. Mm. Um, when, they were, when they were doing a, a itch.io was doing a... a charity bundle and they said hey do you want to put something in this i said yes i, I support this charity 1300 titles 1300 and i'm like i love this so much and i will buy a copy of my own thing for five bucks to throw it at charity and i love the concept of having 1300 games i'm never I'm, i don't even know what's in there and I, and I certainly wouldn't tell anybody you know buy this i mean i would tell them buy it because it's a great charity but I'm not going to expect them to go sifting through this for my stuff. Um, it's just, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm arrogant, ask my wife, but I'm not that arrogant. So um, I think, I think there was a time when an indie publisher, you know, out of their desktop publishing in their garage could kind of sort of make their name and make a living at this. I don't know if we're at that point anymore. I'm looking for the next paradigm. It's one of the reasons why I publish games is because if if it's just me, that's one thing. But if it's 10 or 20 or 30 other people who are like, oh, yeah, I got my game published through Four Horsemen, um, then people only have to go look in one place. I'm like, oh, what is this? Sunset Company. What is that all about? Oh, what's this? Night in the Lonesome Disaster. Ooh, that sounds interesting. What's that all about? So basically, um, I think we're at a point where the communities are reorganizing themselves. And, uh, and I can only hope for the best with that. The beggar community, which I'm sure you're familiar with, um, 
based on I'm begging you to play a different role-playing game. <laughs> um, again, we've got our factions and we've got some battle lines drawn, but um, but it's usually very supportive. You know, hey, I really would love somebody to play some Ars Magica. I've been jonesing for that one for about 20 years. Oh, yeah, that would be cool if that happened. So, What advice would you give an indie publisher who wants to, has a, as you mentioned, like has a really good, a really good system and a really a really good game in place how do they get above the noise of all this oh really good question really good question and um i wish i had any any metrics to say that i was any better than anybody else um when i was doing copywriting uh for my sins uh i did a lot of uh, research on marketing mm. and uh the old rule of thumb i don't know if it's still the case but the old rule of thumb is if a hundred people see your ad, if a hundred people see your product, if a hundred people see your service, one of them is going to contact you and say, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in this. And I didn't believe that. I was like, eh, one in a hundred. Eh. And then I got one of those things in the mail that day. It was the little bag that says, if you fill this up full of charity items for this charity, we'll show up on your door and take it. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got all this stuff that I've been trying to get rid of and I didn't want to go to the, oh, and then so, and I'd seen this ad, this bag like dozens of times, but it just wasn't the right time. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm one of the hundred today. That's great. So um, when you've got a product that you believe in, and that's the first step, when you've got it polished to the best of its ability, that's a very good step because a lot of really killer systems have been sunk by things like indexing and uh, and poor layout. Um, there's going to be a urge to skimp on stuff. Please don't. Not for the first one. Um, once you're once once they love you, they, they get a little more forgiving. Um, you know, Stephen King could write on the back of an old paper bag and I would buy it. You know, it's come on to Steve. Um, but as a first timer, it doesn't have that luxury. You've got to, you've got to really knock it out of the park. So don't skimp on layout. Don't skimp on indexing. Don't skimp on, uh, art. Um, and, uh, but I will say as an old, old, old school barter guy, um, I would much rather trade you. Okay. I've got a guy who's working on, um, some character sheets for me because he said, Hey, I do this. Um, and I said, well, is there anything I can do for you? He's like, yeah, I got a book I need edited. Oh, okay. Well, we can trade that back and forth. That's yeah. real easy. Same with my artist. Same with my layout person, artist. Um, I've got a musician who does some writing. And I'm like, oh, I could really use some music for this podcast we're doing. Oh, okay, cool. I can compose that. And you can, yeah. So multiply your hands. Um, network, network, network. You will find somebody... You will find you will find a big name sooner or later. If you think it's cool enough, you will find a big name in whatever industry who thinks yours is just the coolest thing ever. Um, talk to everybody. Be nice to people. Jeez, <laughs> people step on their own foot so often just by being snarky to the wrong person. And I've made some like brilliant personal and professional relationships just by being nice to a few people at a convention. Um, the funny one, I was at this little con in, in Utah and this guy comes in and sits down next to me and we're shooting the breeze and somebody says, Hey, uh, Hey Tracy, um, the other guy didn't show up at the, uh, 
for the for the panel. Could you come up? And he gets up and walks up, and I was like, oh gosh, that was half of the team that wrote the Dragonlance sagas. I was like, oh, how's Margaret doing? You know, it's just like Tracy Hickman just sitting next to me shooting the breeze, and uh, you know, nice guy, but um, just there's a tendency to want. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm telling stories about myself. There's a tendency to want to be uh, a little less than humble about it. Okay. Mm. Um, just if it's if it's brilliant and if you can get it in front of enough eyes, that will be recognized and people will talk about it and people will come to you and say, "Hey, I love how you do this. Do you mind if I incorporate that in my my you know system?" I'm t- that's the best thing you ever hear as a as a as a creator. Like I, I stole that and it's a house rule in my game now. Oh well, you know, you're welcome. Thanks, I appreciate that. So um, yeah, I wish I had a silver bullet for instant success in the industry, but it's uh, it's rough and there's a lot of there's a lot of really good stuff out there. That would be <laughs> uh, as a teacher, I can almost tell you the year when the teachers stopped advising students to teach. Um, because they don't treat teachers real well. Um, anytime anybody comes to me all excited, and I and I again I surround myself with you know students and younger people who are really excited. They said, I got this great idea for a game. Why don't you tell me about it? Oh, it does this and this and this. Uh-huh. I know that game. I've got a copy of that game. See if see if you can do this here. Um, because a lot of a lot of design, a lot of everybody wants to reinvent the wheel. And again, since there are 10,000 games out there, um, somebody's probably already done it and may have done a very good job. And if it's kind of an okay job, you can make it better. But I would rather publish a, you know, I would rather, if I had not come up with the idea for Fiasco, for example, I'm like, oh, it's a storytelling game and it's all about relationships. And I'm like, no, no, that's Fiasco. Oh, yeah, but then something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's Fiasco. I would rather write my fiasco thing, which I did, and publish it through them because that's where all the fiasco people are going. Or I could, like, you know, come out here, oh, I've invented this game, this one. Yeah. Um, so don't don't be ashamed to hit your wagon to a, you know, somebody else's star because they've done all the heavy lifting, you know. Right. And, they, and if and if you can if you can get your name attached to that. The other thing is keep a finger on the pulse. Um, my game, Splintered Moon, started out life as a supplement for a different system. And the uh, creators of that system, one of them publicly imploded on a live stream where he did some very questionable things. And uh, and I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, they're canceling this whole system, this whole guy. So I talked to my buddies in the business, and they both were like, if you can get away from this, uh, this uh, title, you do yourself a good one. So I had to make it. I had to completely file off all the serial numbers and make my own system around it. Um, and I'm happy with it. It's a post-apocalyptic fantasy, and it's yeah. uh, it's uh, it's good. But would have been nice to you know. Oh, by the way, if you like that, here you are. Here's another supplement for it. But so so just keep keep an eye out on your favorites. Keep an eye out on the ones that are doing what you like. Because sometimes they're spectacular, wonderful human beings, and t- sometimes they're not. 
you have some game masters that have like their core five people or their core, and then you have the and they seem to be telling an epic story and they know they know the beats they know what, uh, and how important is that compared to having a brand new group of people? How does your game mastering skill set interpret those different situations? Excellent question. Okay, so as a teacher, I ran game clubs, and in game clubs, I probably had fewer than 100, but more than 40 new players over the years, like brand spanking new. Um, and um, I will say with the new players, there's less to unlearn um, because everybody, you've got your favorite GM, and you come and you sit down at my table, and I do something different from <clears throat> Matt Mercer or anybody, you know, and they're like, oh, no, that's not how my GM does it. Oh, okay. Well, I was a teacher for years, so I want to know how your GM did it because maybe that's a better way. Oh, 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 no, that's that's how you do initiative? Yeah, oh, that's, let's do that. No, that's great. No, no, let's do that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, again, none of us is as smart as all of us put together. But somebody who comes in brand spanking new, it's just like um, it's an educational process. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, so what are your thoughts about your character? Oh like this oh, okay you want to you want to do this you want to be all heroic and stuff so um strangely the format is a lot the same uh in 7th c john came up with his 20 questions um what would what would what would your character's family say about your character what what is your character's attitude about love is your is your character in love is that the significant other okay um, what advice would you personally give to your character? What do you think you could learn from your character? My favorite is, if your character could choose how they could die, what would it be? Oh, I love that paladin. My one paladin is like, I'd be fighting a rear guard action on my leg and then, go on without me. We won't go on with you will or I'll start smiting you. You know, just like in there all, you know, weeks later there's weeping in the, the tavern. Oh, he gave his life for us. And I was like, that's wonderful. You just, and it's, and it, even if it never happens, you just told me so much about you want to play this character as self sacrificing and putting himself in the line of fire and doing this. And, ah, gift, 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 gift. So, um, new players don't know what they can't do. Mm. New players don't know what the wrong thing is. If you get the players thinking about their characters as, this is what I want. This is what I do. This is how I respond. Uh, the funny thing is, um, I don't play a lot of 5th edition, but I did have a group get a hold of me and say, would you run some 5th edition for us? Hmm. Okay. Um, fantastic. Um, and well, some of us are new players. Oh, okay. Well, um, they were the first group that ever asked me for feedback. Like three sessions in, they're like, hey, do you have any feedback for us as players? Sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, this and this and this and this. I mean, there's some really excellent, you know, how to be a better player, how to be, you know, that I didn't write. Feel free to look them up. Um, but I, you know, did this help? Um, one of the things I do in, in all of my sessions is a when last we met. Because mm -hmm. everybody's got lives and everybody, you know, what were we doing two weeks ago? Wasn't it three weeks ago? Your, your, your dog, 
at a quinceanera, right? Yeah, okay, you can make it. Okay, what what happened? So I do a little one-pager one on here's the major plot points, here's the characters, here's the NPCs you ran into. And I've been giving these out to these players now. It's been three months. And I said, do those help you? I hadn't heard anything back. And they're like, oh, oh, gosh, we go over those, like, right before every session. I mean, just, oh, oh yeah, and then we were over here and this and that. I was like, okay, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me. But um, the difference, yeah, the difference between a new player and, a, and an old grognard is the grognard has an idea about how things should be. Hmm. And that can be more of a conversation than the new player who doesn't. Um, and, and I absolutely adore new players because they'll try things. And uh, it's just like the paladin. He's like, I'll pick the lock. You're a paladin. Yeah, I'll pick the lock. How hard can it be? Thieves do it. <laughs> you know, these little puny... Oh, try. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, oh, did it work? Oh, okay. Game proceeds. So, um, I, I, I honestly have to say, I like, um, I like newer players rather than stick in the muds. Anybody who's right. particularly hidebound. Not that I don't have fun with them too. Again, it's matching a vibe. Um, one of my best friends is also one of my oldest gms and we trade off and we just know how each other think and it's it's not even funny we'll go to conventions together and we'll sit in on the same game and we're just mm. we're just running away with it um because it's like it's because as soon as he opens his mouth well i'm gonna look for a pine cone i'm like i am also looking for pine cones i have no idea what this guy's doing but he has a plan and i'm gonna back him one thousand percent and it's usually pretty pretty interesting um so i i think my advice to new players and old players new gms and old gms is all the same ask a lot of questions mm. ask a lot of questions get it get the players thinking about what they want let them tell you what they want with their answers um right because again they're going to give you the entire campaign on a platter and say please please give us stuff to protect please give us you know, targets for my awesome magical attacks. Please give me undead to turn. Please, please, please. And you just kind of have to stay three steps ahead of them, painting in the scenery like Wiley e. Coyote. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 a skill set, right? Well, Owen, if if people want to follow you and and actually because you also are a professional game master, if people want to join one of your games, where's the best place they could learn more about you? Oh, mercy! Uh, learn more about me. Nobody wants that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I do have my link tree there. Uh, it's got links to some of the other uh, podcasts that I've done. Uh, more to follow. This one's going to go to the top of the list as soon as it's up and running. Um, I do have a start playing profile, start playing games. I think it's start playing dot games, but again, link in the link in the link tree. Uh, I do have a very minor TikTok following. My 17 year old is grumpy that I have more followers than he does um, <laughs> by like five. It's not, I mean, it's not, you know, uh, Matt Mercer is not worried. I've got my discord link in there as well. I, I will talk just ask my wife. I will talk for any length of time about any topic that you find interesting. Perfect. So, yeah. Let's All right. Well, thank you so much, Owen. Listen, you got to come back on again. It's always oh. it's, it's such a pleasure chatting with you. Oh, I would love to. Thank you. That's you. You. You're too kind. So I'll try to come up. I'll try to find some more and better stories for next time. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much.
awesome. All right. So let me fit. What's what's a good Owen color? What do you have? What's your? Because as you see, it's green right now. I can change this to like any color you want. Oh, so I like green. Green, blue. Green, you like green. green, green, blue. Ooh, well, that's ooh, a little too ooh, green. That's a, that's a little too green. Here like, we go. A, like a like like that. Oh, that's nice. Forest there you green. go. I like it. All right. Perfect. All right. Nice is my vibe, you see. <laughs> An earthy tone. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Owen, let me do the intro and we'll jump right into it. Beautiful. This was just the banter. This was just the beginning banter. The banter. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 